0: How are you now? (laughs) We're back, baby. How are you now? Folks, we got two Montreal Canadiens losses to talk about on this particular episode of the Bottom 6 Minutes podcast presented by Habs Eyes and the Prize. I am Matt Drake, and this is episodes 66 and uh, 67, all crammed into one. Why am I doing that? Well, I had intended to post my regular episode after the Devils game the other night, um, but I think I mentioned this in the previous episode. I was uh, visiting one of my best friends uh, in Quebec. We were uh, near... Magog uh, on uh, Lac Messa In fact, we were celebrating the fact that he just got himself engaged recently. Uh, so I was a little bit drunk. And um, I, if, if I had recorded an episode that night, uh, it would have been pretty incoherent. And I don't think anybody would have enjoyed it. So I waited. Now, tonight, I have returned back to my home which is roughly eight hours away from there and uh, I'm able to actually sit down and record this episode properly because I was driving all day so I was definitely not drinking so here we go two different games to recap I'm gonna try to make this as concise as possible so I don't end up with a 45 minute episode for you here and we're gonna see what we can do so the first one that we got to talk about your Montreal Canadiens lose three to one to the New Jersey Devils now this one was pretty expected. The Devils are a pretty strong team. Uh, and in the first two minutes of that game, they were hemmed in their own zone before they actually started getting going. Uh, Jonathan Drouin had a pretty nice chance relatively early in the game. But about midway through the period, Nathan Bastian gets away with a clear hold in behind the Habs net, ends up getting the turnover, wrapping around and beating Jake Allen to make it 1-0. Habs push back a little after that. Um, Anthony Richard had a nice breakaway chance that got stopped. Uh, they had a few chances, really, but they just couldn't score. And then with a minute left in the period, neutral zone turnover, Devils take it into the Habs zone, Damon Severson finds Nico Heischer out front on the back door, he puts it in and makes it 2-0. Now at this point, with how good the Devils are, you're feeling like it's maybe not a very good chance that the Habs end up coming back in this one, and there wasn't a whole lot going on for them in the second. Very clear, however, that the officials had decided not to call jack shit on the Devils. Brutal high stick on Caden Gouley, no call. Cross-checked at the back of Rafael Harvey Pinar, no call. Could have been a scoring chance there, but mm, what are you going to do? Dennis Gurianov gets one back from Montreal, though. And he's been on a bit of a tear recently. I mean, this time he actually gets an opportunity. He gets set up from below the goal line by, I think it was Rem Pitlick. Was it Rem Pitlick? Doesn't matter. Anyways, he's standing up, you know, kind of off to the side of the slot, and he just absolutely rips one. Past Schmid and makes it a one-goal game. Unfortunately, that was the best that the Montreal Canadiens were going to do in that particular contest. Uh, it does go into the third period and goes pretty late. Uh, we're kind of looking at the opportunity of pulling the goalie for the Montreal Canadiens. And of course, what happens? Tomas Tatar gets the 3-1 goal. They kept Jake Allen out of the net even after that. And yeah, they just couldn't really get anything going. The Devils looked for some additional empty net scoring there, but they couldn't get it either. And uh, that's your final three to one. Um, Let's get right into the Avalanche game as well, because honestly, I think we need to amalgamate these games from a silver lining standpoint and everything. And for the Avalanche game, I'm just going to pick this one up for when I actually got home. So I'll be honest with you guys. I listened to the first half of the game. So the first period and about half of the second period on the radio while I was driving home. Um, I get home and... uh, You know, I already know what the score is, but I don't quite know how bad it is because they don't really tell you on the radio what the what the shot clock is at. Right. They mention it in passing, but like also keep in mind, I'm driving in the dark here. So I'm not like fully immersed in what's going on. I'm not waiting and, and kind of trying to take notes on what the shots are at. I get home, though. I know the score is already six to one for the uh, Colorado Avalanche I did not know that the shots were only 18 to 5 so the Habs halfway through the game had five shots on goal uh, do you really need a recap of that I don't think so but once I get back all of a sudden things start to look up for the Habs maybe that's the key is I need to be sitting here in my home office watching the games in order for them to do anything good and of course late in the second period Dennis Gurianov again Takes a shot, it gets blocked, he collects the own block shot and then snipes it on the second attempt and all of a sudden, it's 6-2. to two. The Habs are kind of in this thing Then in the third period. Unfortunately, they can't really keep that momentum going. Nathan McKinnon gets the puck in the neutral zone and he just blows by everybody. Absolutely dog walks. Johnny Sevic on his way to the net, goes to the forehand and beats Samuel Montembeau and makes it 7-2. to two. What are you going to do? Not too long after that, though, Alex Belzil does his best Nathan McKinnon impression, skating through everybody on his way to the net. He can't finish, but he does manage to work the puck back to the point where it finds Chris Wideman. He fires it through traffic and makes it 7 3. Moments after that, a missed penalty against Caden Gooley. He probably should have been going off for a cross check there, but they don't call it. Habs go the other way very quickly. Get a zone entry josh anderson drops it back from mike matheson he takes a point snipe to make it seven to four but shortly after that horseshit call on josh anderson maybe a bit of a makeup call for the one they missed on ghoulie and Valerie chushkin scores on the power play to make it eight to four that's your final eight to four folks a little bit of a rough one but again uh look at that i managed to get through the uh the recap of both games in under seven minutes. That leaves me a lot of time to talk about the silver linings, and I think there absolutely are some silver linings. Number one, let's start from a player standpoint. Uh Dennis Gurianov, man, I think that trade is going to be looked back on very favorably for the Montreal Canadians, particularly if they can work with Gurianov on some of the weaknesses in his game. If he is still a player who has the propensity to improve some of those problem areas, uh, I think he could become a very useful piece for the Montreal Canadiens, and we're seeing it through even some of the roughest games that we could possibly ask to see. I mean, this kid can snipe. Kid, I mean, he's 25 years old, right? But he can snipe. He's a really good shot. I think (laughs) anybody who's watched can kind of tell what the issues are in his game. He's very north-south. Uh, he doesn't have a whole lot of deception. He's Again, I think I mentioned it in his first game with the Habs, kind of reminiscent of Josh Anderson. Doesn't have a whole lot of deception to his game, um, but he has a heck of a shot and he skates really fast. If they can work on some of those other aspects, man, I really think that they've got a player here, and I definitely think that it was worth the gamble on Evgeny Dadanov going the other way. dadanov was never coming back. He's maybe going to do some good things for the Dallas Stars. Congratulations. I wish him nothing but the best. But he was never coming back. They acquired him for a contract in Shea Weber, a guy that's never going to play again. Dadunov looking like he's going to be untradeable for the better part of this season, and they end up turning him into Gurianov, a younger player who kind of has some similarities to Josh Anderson. I think that's a gamble that you make every single fucking day and twice on Sundays. It makes sense. It makes sense. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to see him having some success here in Montreal. And hopefully they can parlay that into some future success as well. Now, another silver lining, uh, Caden Gooley. I think Caden Gooley, I mean, obviously he had that penalty against uh, Colorado that didn't get called. Um, but outside of that, like even in that game, he was mixing it up with Nathan McKinnon. Um, being impactful in pretty much all three zones. And he had a fantastic game. The game prior against the Devils, I really liked what he was bringing out there. Again, I think it's super interesting that he's able to miss all that time from injury, come back and look like he hasn't missed a beat. This is a future number one defenseman for the Montreal Canadiens. Um, I wonder, like Mike Matheson I think would be a great um, role model for him moving forward. Matheson's clearly very adept at jumping into um, offensive scenarios. Gouley, his offense has always been kind of a, a project that's been getting worked on throughout his career in the WHL. And it's slowly coming along in the NHL as well. So I think Matheson's a really good person for him to look up to. And again, another reason why I'd say keep Mike Matheson on the roster. Right, I, I know i talked about potentially trading him before, uh, but it's not something that I would actually do at this stage because I think he's too valuable for this team in terms of having him around, particularly to a player like Caden Gouley that could use a little bit of help figuring out when and when not to jump into the rush. Gouley, I think, is a little more reticent to jump into the rush sometimes. like He worries about it because he's very strong defensively, but he doesn't want to necessarily make that jump. Um, and get in on rushes or, or take the puck up ice himself sometimes. So uh, it, could be, it could be great to have them work together over the next couple of years and really see what Guly can develop into from an offensive standpoint. Um, fun times when you look at it that way. And then your final silver lining. Something I said the, other, uh, the last episode that I actually recorded on time is that pretty soon the Montreal Canadiens would be probably, I thought, in the bottom five. In other words, in a top-five draft position, provided everything lines up properly with the draft lottery. And guess what, folks? Last night, the Arizona Coyotes beat the Minnesota Wild and jumped one point in front of the Montreal Canadiens. That puts the Habs currently in fifth last, which means if the lottery went exactly as it... Well, not necessarily as it should, but if it went exactly the way that it'd be projected to go... They'd be number five, and they would have a legitimate shot at drafting Zach Benson, who's one of my favorite players in this draft. So that's a huge silver lining, right? A few games back. Uh, what are they on a seven-game losing streak now, so it's a little more than a few. Uh, but the last time that they won, I remember saying exactly that. I was like, listen, you know, they won a few games, but the schedule is about to get rough. And sure enough, schedule gets rough. They start losing some games. Yes, they got a couple of loser points in there as well, uh, which is not ideal. But... Despite all of that, they're still in fifth last, and now you have a legitimate chance of maybe e- sneaking your way up there in the top five. Is that realistic? I mean, some of the teams that they're uh, the, that they're chasing or reverse chasing, I guess if you want to call it that, are pretty bad, right? Anaheim is the next one up. They are four points back from the Habs as of right now, uh, but they're on a one-game losing streak of their own. Uh, Habs keep losing. They could get that far back. I think that's that's possible. It is possible that Anaheim can gain four points on Montreal. Um, Chicago, I think, is the next one. I, I think that's where it kind of stops. I don't think they're going to get behind Chicago, uh, San Jose, or Columbus at the top of the order there. I think that's virtually impossible. <laughs> Chicago's 8 points back. So is San Jose. And then Columbus is. Uh, Columbus has 47 points. Uh, so they're a full 7 points back. What, what am I talking about? 7 points. <clears throat> they're a full 11 points back from the Montreal Canadiens. So that one's going to be impossible. San Jose and Chicago, very tall order. Anaheim, not so impossible. So the Habs are in a position right now where, again, legitimate shot at Zach Benson if everything ended right now and nobody moved up in the lottery. And also, their lottery odds in and of themselves are at uh, 8.5% of the first overall pick. So, that's not terrible. You know? You tell any any team out there, we'll give you an 8.5% chance at Connor Bedard. I think they'd take it, unless they were one of those bottom three teams already. He's a great player. And an 8.5% uh, percent chance of getting a generational player is better than zero. So, Yeah. Take it how you will, but I think personally I call that good news and I call that a silver lining for the Montreal Canadiens. And since we're already talking about tanking, I might as well stay on that subject for a little bit and take a look once more at their upcoming schedule, which is not getting any easier. They've got a back-to-back right now, so they're playing tomorrow night against the Pittsburgh Penguins. Then on Thursday, they've got the, uh, the Florida Panthers. That's one that you want to win, folks. We want that one to be a dub. Then they got the Lightning. They got a home and home with the Lightning on the 18th and the 21st. And then the Bruins and then the Blue Jackets, which is your first truly winnable game coming up. And then the Sabres, Flyers, Panthers again, Hurricanes, Red Wings, Capitals, Leafs, Islanders, Bruins. That's how the season ends. If I look at this schedule right now, the Capitals are maybe beatable. Maybe. I don't, but I think they're going to be in a stretch run there, where they're going to be looking at maybe trying to take over a wild card spot. I don't think they're going to give you anything easy. Um, outside of that, what are the winnable games? The Flyers and the Blue Jackets. That's really it. That's it. The other ones aren't really winnable. Maybe that final game against the Bruins. The Bruins are going to have everything wrapped up, so I could see them coming out with you know their worst possible roster and sitting all of their stars. But who knows? Right? At the by the end of this season, I think they're gonna be in the bottom five. Um, and we'll see whether or not they can get into like fourth or or third last. I think it's probably gonna be fourth at best, but hey, the difficulty of the schedule coming up is what I'm trying to get at here. It's pretty tough for the Habs. Pretty tough. So absolutely possible that they could move up a little bit in that bottom five. And uh we'll find out. We'll have to wait and see. It's gonna be a little bit tough to find anything positive to talk about in those games other than the tank and their current standings in the draft lottery, but I will try. I'm gonna be looking at those games and be trying to see some good performances from young players. Uh, what do they bring to the table and um, how are we how are we taking a look at maybe how these players fit within uh, the next couple years worth of rosters. That's kind of what the team should be doing as well. I really hope that's what they're doing. I hope they're looking at Rafael Harvey Pinar and, you know, how does he fit? Where would we use him next year? I hope they're taking a look at Caden Gooley and trying to think about who do we want him to play with next year. I hope they're taking a look at, you know, Joel Edmondson and David Savard and trying to figure out where can we send these guys in a trade. I think this team's got a lot of young defensemen already that have shown NHL ability. They've got more that are going to be coming up in the next couple of years. I do not think that we have the roster space to keep on entertaining guys like Joel Edmondson and David Savard in the lineup. I think you got to make space got to make space you got to draft well and uh that's how you get this rebuild on the right track here i'd say it's on the right track but it could it could be it could be on a speedier track if they do it right anyways that's kind of all i have to say and i'm exhausted uh so i want to go to bed um after all that driving and everything so i managed to keep this episode uh just over 16 minutes so it's a soirée pour les employés de soutien uh we're on spotify google play we're on apple I'm on Twitter at DrakeMT, drop me a follow, I would appreciate it very much. I'm also on Substack, mattdrake.substack.com, uh, you drop me a follow there, it's free and it always will be. Thank you, as always, for listening, and of course, à la prochaine.